You're listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between exercise and positive mental health. And our big mission, it's to help 10,000 women develop fitter minds and bodies in the next two years. I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to episode 14 of the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we talk to my new friend, Vanessa Cullen, about how her love of adventure and fun has helped her overcome a number of physical challenges in her life. Enjoy. Welcome, Vanessa Cullen, to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast. For everyone out there who's listening, this is the first time I've been able to have a chat to Vanessa. We are new friends, <laughs> thanks to the <laughs> podcast, which is awesome. Vanessa's been referred to me by a mutual uh, friend and colleague of mine, so which Nikhil, maybe we can mention him. He'll like Yeah, shout out more. to Nikhil. <laughs> <laughs> so anyone else out there who, who has someone who they think they might be a great connection for this podcast, a great story to share, please reach out to me and... Um, We'd love to uh, to get them on and have a chat too. So, Vanessa, let's get stuck into you. Like, as I said, I really don't know very much about you at all. So this podcast will be an unfolding of that story and who you are, uh, not just for me, but for everyone. So it's kind of special oh. I think, to, uh, to oh. get to know someone this way. <laughs> Thank you so much, Michelle. Well, it's it's like having a coffee in a cafe, isn't it, really? Exactly. <laughs> Just there's kind of more people listening in. <laughs> there is, there is. So tell me, like, yeah. where do you, the little, the ordinary kind of things about you. Where do you live? Yeah. What do you do? Where did you grow up? All that kind of stuff. Well, actually, I grew up not far from here. So um, I live in Western Sydney, um, sort of halfway between the mountains and the sea, which is lovely because I can go either direction for running. Um, yeah, and I, I grew up kind of in well just a suburb or two away um, and I've lived in various different places but moved back here and uh, I guess if you look at my story um, it's been a tough story I guess yeah. I'm 39 years old I've lived a fairly difficult life so far but um, you know I think that's form, formed who I am today so yeah. you know you make good things out of the difficulties that you have but uh, yeah as a child um, I had nephrotic syndrome which um, some people may be aware of. It's a it's a kidney disease that you can grow out of if you have it as a child, but some adults get it too. Yeah. Um, so I spent a lot of time kind of dreading being in and out of hospitals and that sort of yeah. thing. And, you know, try, sort of hoping that, oh, don't let the results be bad because I don't want to go there. Oh. And that all started from the age of two. Wow. So. Yeah, so I had from age two through to ten, about 10 when I went into permanent remission. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was quite a trial. Like there was quite a lot of difficult things with that because I was on um, steroid medication mm -hmm. and that causes you to be quite a large, obese sort of child. Um, and my my bedroom actually had a window looked out onto my school playground because we lived next door to the school. That's handy. <laughs> yeah, and so my friends would climb up on the hill in the schoolyard and, and we kind of like, um, I'd make signs and put them in the window, put them up and, you know, communicate with them and stuff like that. So I guess I look back at that and I go, maybe that's why I just want to be involved in everything fun that's happening <laughs> because... <laughs> Because those early years of like, I just want to play and oh. I want to be involved in everything. So, yeah, I wonder if that was kind of something that formed me um, to that extent. Yeah. In a positive yeah. way too, by the sound of it, like making the most out of, obviously, you, so mm. this, the symptoms 
yeah. of that kidney disease um, required you from time to time to be isolated from other children or to not go out. Um, I don't, I don't know anything about those kind of um, illnesses. So yeah, I had, um, I don't really remember that's like the isolation so much, mm-hmm. but I, I do remember that. Well, I know now even I catch everything that's going around. Okay. Um, so my immunity was compromised to a degree, mm-hmm. but I think it was more that there were times when um, I was at home, maybe because I got a cold or flu or something, but yeah. the effects of that were much worse. Like I was really flattened. Um, yeah. So I think it was more that, and I had a lot of dietary restrictions, like no salt and certain things like that. Um, okay. But you know, I don't, I don't think life was really that bad. I think it was more just about um, my sense of myself in terms of body image and how I felt yeah. in my body. Because mm-hmm. um, I remember always feeling quite uncomfortable. You carry a lot of fluid as well. So mm-hmm. you always kind of achy and heavy and all these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I wanted to participate in every sport, everything yeah. that was going on. <laughs> so, you know, I, I would be that kid who would go to the athletics carnival and enter the 800 and still be running when the teachers were packing off. You know, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to finish this, damn it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Yeah, you. yeah. So, you know, maybe maybe that kind of built fortitude. <laughs> So, so sport in for some for some reason maybe because it was harder for you or just because of your personality yeah. was something that you've always played a part. It was played a played a part in your life, I should say. Yeah, and mum and dad really fostered that. Um, I I think with mum, she really wanted us all to learn to swim because she'd had a bad experience and and you know she re- really felt that was important. So we're all competitive swimmers, and mm-hmm. dad played golf, so we ended up competing in golf and so on. Oh, wow. um, but yeah, I just wanted to do everything, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's just this sense of fun, and I really love the outdoors, and I always did, um, and just adventure and play and imagination, all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So that's what drove me. Yeah, yeah. maybe there's something about. Um, you know, when you can't do do it all yes. all the time too, that makes you really want to do it even more. We all know that head injuries. Yeah. <laughs> and it yeah. makes you want to do it even more. So. And I think play gets you out of your own body yeah. as well. And like, that's I think true. that's something that's still carried through to, to, to today mm-hmm. is that I like to adventure and explore. And I think that's because I can get lost outside of my own brain and my own body. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think there was some of that too. Oh, wow. So, so moving into say your... Um, high school years, teenage yes. years. You, um, <laughs> oh, you... they were bad. <laughs> Tell us about that. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I, I I had a lot of issues with um, sort of being a bit of an overachiever academically and not going to a high school that was very supportive of that. So it was a lot of like bullying and things like mm-hmm. that and trying to deal with, um, yeah, my own sort of sense of identity and body and so on and then um in my final year of high school when I was doing um the HSC my sister actually had a brain hemorrhage um mm. she's three years younger than me wow. and it was caused by a thing called an AVM um which is an arteriovenous malformation it's when you've got lots of little um, veins in your brain instead of like a larger one and mm. it can break not carrying the blood flow um, so that happened to her and immediately like she was in for multiple brain surgeries and so on. Oh, wow. Yeah, she had to learn how to um, walk, talk, do everything again. Um, and my parents, like they had to be at the hospital. So dad was working, just, you know, trying to keep us afloat. Mum was spending a lot of time at the hospital and we had a younger brother, what well, we have a lot of younger brother. Um, so me being the eldest, it kind of felt like I was trying to parent him a lot of the time, like, you know, just make sure 
I got him home from school and he got fed and, you know, had did his homework and stuff like that. Um, plus just trying to be really strong for my parents because, you know, it was so difficult for them. And I thought I can't let on anything that I'm feeling because mm-hmm. they've already got enough to deal with. Um, yeah. So I was kind of carrying a lot of that. Um, so the whole kind of my childhood and then teenage years are really traumatic for a lot of reasons. And then 12 months to the day of my sister's brain hemorrhage, she actually had a stroke as well. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. 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 They think it was the um, stereotactic radiotherapy that she had, which was meant to assist with things, may have actually had a negative effect. Um, And that took us right back to to day one again. So again, learning how to walk and talk and, and all this sort of stuff all over again. She went through the same thing twice. So we essentially had two years of kind of living around um, hospitals. So mm. RPA and Westmead Children's and so on. Um, yeah, so it wasn't easy. And that was that was my final year. Um, I did quite well academically because I think, I think study was the only thing I could control. And so oh, I just yeah, took point. that. Yeah, I just took that around with it. I was like playing hockey, but really the study was one thing I could control. Um, and I got into uni, like the course that I wanted to do. So I guess on face value, looks like I was really resilient and successful. Yeah. <laughs> How were you feeling? How were you? What were yeah. going on in your head? <laughs> yeah, things were not too good. No. <laughs> so once I got to university, um, yeah, I, I was studying a design course. which was very competitive and um, obviously, you know, it's, the lectures are very difficult, hard on you, which they should be. But um, that, on top of everything that had happened, um, I was diagnosed with clinical depression. Wow. Um, yeah, because I really just hadn't had. I guess in my family, you don't talk about what's difficult. Like you mm-hmm. just soldier on. You know, it's resilience. Um, and so I was carrying all this stuff, and so that diagnosis occurred. Um, yeah, and it took me, I think, maybe maybe about two years um, of a lot of um, like psychology and a little mm-hmm. bit of medication before eventually I just actually went, no, no. Like my sister's experience and my experience to date taught me that life is really short um, and, you know, you can decide what happens to you as far as you can anyway you can take control over this Mm -hmm. life's too short to waste Um, and I kind of flicked a switch in my own brain and just went no screw this I'm gonna change (laughs) so can can you kind of remember that moment or or like is it a visceral moment that it's funny actually I can um so the university counselor actually said to me I was I was whinging to her that I wanted to just go and you know just walk out of uni and go and eat chocolate and you know just have a sukhi lala <laughs> and she said to me well there's a chocolate cafe up the road you've got permission to go for your life and there was something about the being given the permission to indulge myself um, emotionally that actually caused me not to go up there it was kind of like now if someone's giving me full permission to feel and to self-destruct I mean chocolate that's ridiculous but that's kind of how I saw it and then I remember catching the train home from uni that day and going no damn it like I'm not going to go to the chocolate cafe and I am going to snap out of this shit I'm taking control. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and it, that almost trivializes how hard it was, but yeah. it was the beginning of things changing because, I mean, I wouldn't say like even now that mental health is something I don't have to be aware of, like yeah. it definitely is. Um, but yeah, there was something empowering about kind of being given permission to let go. Mm. And that triggered almost the 
opposite sort of reaction in me, which was, no, I'm going to just take control, actually. It's just there's, there's something about like what you just said, like trivializing, but actually the the path, a healthier path or whatever it is, yeah, it's just one decision. But it is. It actually is. Like yeah. every day <laughs> you can choose to have a good day or not, or all of us. Yes. Um, it's just that it's the one you have to keep making that decision. That's probably the the bit that a lot of people think, oh, I just snap out of it. And mm. and yes, perhaps you you do to a degree, but you have to uh, decide to snap out of it every day. If that yeah. makes sense. It's like a decision you you we all do, whether mm. we've had lots of mental health issues or not. I think that's right. There is a there is a little bit of that stuff going on in all in all of our brains and um mm-hmm. acknowledging it is I think massive so I agree I think it might have been a bit of that (laughs) thank you I think it might have been a bit of that thing too about like there's no such thing as an overnight success that um that decision at that time was when I was ready to change um and led up to it yeah I don't think I mean that wasn't going to happen on the first day when I walked in there (laughs) to say okay I think I need help now yeah so that was that was that journey yeah yeah so so when it would come turning it back into the Mm. physical side Mm. so what were you doing while you're at uni when it comes to you know running or um I know that well you can tell us when you started running (laughs) but I know he's already mentioned hockey and and golf and and being involved in all sorts of sports when you were at school Um, did you find you were still doing some of those things at university as well when you were going through some of this stuff Yeah, I was. um, So I was playing hockey um, at that time, Mm -hmm. but I probably didn't really play enough. And um, physically, I really kind of let myself go because I was trying to deal with all this emotional stuff that was Mm -hmm. going on. Plus university studies, it was like four and a half years of very intense study. Um, I was also working at the same time because, you know, I I was trying to pay for myself to put myself through uni without debt. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I had a lot on my plate um, and my health really suffered from that. Um, You know, like my weight was was really I was quite heavy and um but from exiting university um I went to work for a few different people and I actually started my own business during I think it was like my about midway through my degree mm-hmm. um and as I built the business up um instead of working for other people that changed the dynamic of how much I was in control of my own time Mm-hmm. And so that kind of, I think that brought me some mental space to look at well-being and what I wanted to do about like my health and mm-hmm. so on. Um, that eventually, I mean, this is kind of skipping five or 10 years, led me to martial arts. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was doing jiu-jitsu and a little bit of Muay Thai, but mostly um, jiu-jitsu. And um yeah I spent I think it was about five or six years doing that both practicing um competing so full contact um (laughs) cleaning with the boys (laughs) Um, did that um did you lose the weight before you took on the jiu-jitsu or did the weight come off while you were doing jiu-jitsu yeah, the weight came off while doing the jiu-jitsu because um, there was a lot of positive influence from the community and um, I was so passionate. Like, I'm not a person who exercises because I should. Um, mm. I do say that inside my head a lot, but I'm much better driven by fun. So it was so fun. It was so addictive. It was so challenging. Um, and I was teaching little kids as well. So I was really immersed 
next in it, really loving yeah. that. And then that led me to start to do a little bit of running too, just mm -hmm. to like, oh, I'm just going to run to the light pole. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, yeah, this could help me with the martial arts. Like it might make yeah. me a bit fitter. So there was no intention of really running because actually, <laughs> I should tell you this, when I played hockey, people would say to me, you know, maybe you should do some running as well. And I would say, <laughs> I would say, why would you run if there's not a ball to chase? Like, why would you do this to yourself? <laughs> Oh, so, you're one of those people. Oh, I was. I was one of those people. <laughs> yeah, I was a bit. Yeah, and it's funny because I look back on that now and I go, oh, my gosh, I was missing out so much. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I thought those people were crazy. <laughs> it worked for you at the time. <laughs> it did. It did. Yeah, yeah. So a little bit of running came in with the martial arts just to help with her fitness. Um, but I really, like, I, I just, I was so immersed in the martial arts mm -hmm. and, uh, three weeks before going for my black belt, um, unfortunately, another diagnosis came my way. So, no. yeah. Your yeah. parent, like being a parent with of five children, mm. they must be reeling with the stuff that you, yeah. you and your siblings have put them through. <laughs> oh yeah, my, my parents have, yeah, they've had a hard ride. It's That's been crazy. tough. Yeah. It's oh. been so really tell us, tell us yeah. what happened. So what, what was yeah. your diagnosis? So um, I was uh, at a sparring session one day and mm -hmm. um, afterwards um, I went to the bathroom and I was passing a lot of blood. I know this yep. is icky, yep. but I, I actually we're talking to trail runners, right? So then yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, right. You're like, no, that's normal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I went to, I, I called a friend as you do. You don't take yourself to emergency, you call a friend. Um, so a friend was, uh, well, they had, they were, they were in the same room as a nurse who said, get yourself to emergency immediately. Um, um, and I did and they kept me in overnight and did scans and whatnot and um, they left me with a letter that said you have polycystic kidneys. A letter? Um, yes, a letter. <laughs> it was a very, very young doctor who saw me. <laughs> he gave me a letter. He said you can go home now. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yeah, so the letter said I had polycystic kidneys. He said go back to see your GP. Um, so... I did what everyone does and I used Dr. Google to find out what that meant. Ouch. And yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's quite a profound ouch because it wasn't polycystic kidneys. It was polycystic kidney disease, um, which is particularly when, when I found out I had it, which was going on almost 10 years, um, it was untreatable and incurable. Yeah. Um, it's still incurable. But luckily now we're at a point where there are a few treatments, like there's a few things that can be done um, at least to kind of hold it back a bit and, you know, give you a better quality of life before you yeah. enter dialysis or need a transplant or something like that. Um, I'm the first in my family, which is really unusual. So I don't have a prediction for how this will pan out. Um, at the moment, though, my health is really good, but yeah. I do a lot to maintain it. Yeah. And the, um, the intersection with martial arts is that I essentially got, well, at martial arts, they can't cover you in terms of insurance mm -hmm. for combat type, like impact type stuff yeah. with polycystic kidneys. Like you don't put polycystic kidneys and impact together because yeah. you can end up with a, a cyst bursting and a cyst bleed, which is yeah. what actually happened to me. Yeah. So that was the end of that. Oh, <laughs> so, so now yeah. what, how did you... What did you fill your life up with? Like you, so you had this condition which obviously mm. stopped any kind of contact sport. Yeah, no um, more contact sport. Yep. Which had become a big part of your life by the sound mm. of it. 
Yeah. So what did you do instead once you picked yourself up off the floor, I assume? <laughs> yeah. Now what? <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of that. Um, and also just losing the community, um, yeah. which again was sort of that identity thing too and all mm. of that. Uh, your sporting community can become your family. So that type of thing totally. is difficult. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, from there, um, I was working out a little bit at a gym. I toyed around with a bit of um, body sculpting and stuff. And yeah. my trainer actually said to me, you know, you love to, well, you're an ex-swimmer, um, you're an ex-representative swimmer, and um, you like to do the spin classes. I was like, yeah. And you run a little bit for, you know, the past hockey and now with the martial arts. Go, so why don't you do triathlon? Like, why don't you try triathlon? <laughs> um, and I went, I'm like, what, what's that? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I, I actually, um, at the same time in my work side of things, mm -hmm. was designing a bike shop and these two oh, things, wow. yeah, these two <laughs> things intersected really beautifully and that gave me an into triathlon. So um, short course triathlon became my next thing and I was all in again. That's so. amazing. Yeah. And if you want to be a gear junkie, like my understanding oh, is triathlon is like the place to go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mixed in a little bit of trail running too, because I was starting to realise how much I like really loved the outdoors and particularly being in the bush and that sort of thing. And it became starkly apparent that one sport required a lot of stress, a lot of organisation mm -hmm. and a lot of expensive gear, or at least that's what you want, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, and the other one required a pair of shoes. <laughs> it's like, hmm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which one? <laughs> yeah, the trail running. <laughs> so, yeah. So you did some triathlons, I know that. I did. Yeah. And you didn't yeah. just do them here in Australia. You No. You got out yeah. and about. Tell us I a little did. bit about that. What kind of yeah, so I did um, quite a few Elite Energy series. Um, a big shout out to those guys because um, they are just awesome and the series they run is fantastic. But uh, yeah, so I did quite a few of theirs. And so I was traveling around like different um, states and stuff like yeah. that. And then um, I represented Australia in my age group at the World Championships in 2015. So I went over to Chicago awesome. for that. And for the fat little nephrotic syndrome kids, we putting on Australian uniform. Wow. I was like, this is the best. <laughs> it's all the fun in one place. <laughs> yeah, I just, I never thought, like, I mean, obviously it's different. It's age group triathlon, you're not an elite, but to even have that opportunity to do that and my parents being so proud, like after all they've been through, it was something for, yeah. you know, to be exciting for them and having yeah. the opportunity to travel for my sport and stuff. It was, yeah, it was really wonderful. So, so what, what was going on in your mind at the time? So, you know, we've talked a little bit about having about with depression earlier yeah. on and obviously that kind of stuff still hangs around a bit for it all does. of us a little bit mm. so what was going on we know all these amazing things yeah thinking? <laughs> um well at that time I felt really like quite good and healthy um I, I, it you go through all the stages of grief when you get diagnosed with PKD, as we call it. Um, mm -hmm. So you're always in these cycles. But by this point, I become a patient advocate. So I was doing a lot of um, representation on like different advisory boards and stuff like that. I think that was all helping to make me stronger. Um, plus, you know, I just, yeah, in my body, I felt better. Like triathlon was never easy physically and running isn't physically easy. I mean, I suffer from quite a lot of pain. but um, yeah, I don't know. You can get powerful within that. And I would say that that's probably where my mindset was. And I was growing, I guess, within myself and my own business as a businesswoman. And there are lots of ups and downs with that, as yeah. anyone would imagine. Um, but I think 
in many ways, I was coming into a sense of confidence and growing within myself um, through that period, despite the fact that, you know, it wasn't always plain sailing, but yeah. It's interesting you say that. When I started running marathons, I can yeah. remember thinking at the same time, my business had me standing in front of, you know, up to 100 people at a time doing workshops and things. Mm. It was a sense of confidence that yeah. didn't just come because I knew what I was talking about but also mm-hmm. because of the marathon running, because I was putting my body through this thing. I had a plan and I was doing it and I was executing it. Yes. And then I was crossing the line and I, and I was completing this thing that some people it's just, you know, like a bucket list or whatever. Mm. And it did, it had that, that level of confidence that went through your whole life, not just um, for, you know, the running itself, but it kind of had effects everywhere. Yeah. I would, I'd absolutely agree. Yeah, I think the martial arts gave me a lot of discipline and a lot mm-hmm. of understanding of controlling like my own anger and fear and all that sort of stuff. And then coming into triathlon, that really teaches you that level of organization, like you're saying, like really trying to balance everything in your life and sticking to plans and so on and planning ahead for every possible thing that could happen, go wrong, whatever. Um, and and overcoming the adversities of things like, you know, shoes that won't go on properly and flat tires and, and crashes and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, I think, you know, I, I always say to everyone, if you get the opportunity really, which everyone should do, to take on one of these individual type sports, even if you think you're a team sport person, it's worth doing because you develop so many skills in that, that really help you in business and career and everything else in your life. Um, so yeah, I, I think that the two for me have really interplayed. Like there's so much that I've personally grown in through those experiences that came from my sporting life. It's, it's interesting. Goes back, at, you know, before we started hit recording, we were talking about how like we literally not just our minds I and mean, we're not just our bodies. Yeah. And, and we are like, and it's whatever we do in our lives actually affects every part of our lives, whether it's, uh, you know, emotionally and physically, mm. including business, including, uh, or just work and family yep. and, uh, and our sporting endeavors or whatever it is that we're doing. It, we're just a whole thing. We're not 100%, yeah. just a triathlete or just a runner or, or just a business person or just a yes. mum for me, or just a sister. We're, we're like mm-hmm. all these things. Um, yeah. and not even one of them can be withdrawn without having, you know, the, an effect on the other. So it's quite, mm. uh, quite interesting to have that kind of it's where um, I think we're, I was talking to someone today about integrated health yeah that was kind of what we were talking about <laughs> the theme of today seems to be the whole <laughs> oh absolutely yeah and the whole stuff um, I think I, I think um sporting people I mean particularly running um it's important to remember too, if you're doing these in endurance sports as well, that all that stress that might come from like family, life, mm-hmm. work and all of that um, adds on to your training stress. And the whole thing can cause, you know, injury or, you know, um, plateaus in performance and so on. I think that's something we miss a lot too, mm-hmm. is that you have to take all that stress as a whole and look at the human being as mm-hmm. one whole person. Because um, I see a lot of athletes get uh, you know, injured and burnt out and that sort of thing because they're not paying attention to, they're not necessarily getting enough sleep and their lives are really stressful and all these things are kind of putting them into this um, high cortisol type experience and all that breaks you down over time. Yeah. So, and yeah. Leaves you open for injuries and things as well, as you said, they'll break Sickness and everything. Down. Yeah. Um, I can even remember uh, through one, a couple of my marathon trainings that mm. 
level of mummy guilt, which some people Ooh, might, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I'm, I'm now, I'm not there ever on a Sunday morning and I'm not yeah. there, you know, whenever, and the amount of kilometers in a traditional marathon training. Yeah. Um, got some things to say about that at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not to mention if you're doing triathlon, then that's yeah. across three disciplines and mm. they all require time for you to, to hit that. In fact, the lady I was talking to yesterday, a friend of mine who's done quite a few um, Ironmen, yeah. um, she was talking about that, how you just have to be selfish for that mm-hmm. nine months or whatever that you're training for it. There's, that's it. Yeah. And <laughs> however, as we're talking about, you also need to find a way to be able to mentally deal with all that because you're a whole person and you can't just be the person training and that's all you do for nine months you mm. still have to speak to you know people around you you still yes. have to be a functioning <laughs> member of society in some way most of us have to anyway uh, assuming so, you want to keep a job and a relationship exactly, yes <laughs> exactly that's exactly what I mean 100% <laughs> so you touched a little bit earlier on identity and it is something yeah. that I talk to uh, most people about on the podcast now is is identity so mm. how, when you, cause you've gone through a few stages, we haven't even got to where you're mostly running now. I think mm. anyway, we yeah. can go into that in a minute, yeah. but for different reasons through your life, you've had to yep. stop doing things, you know, the, especially yeah. say the martial arts, it sounds like it was a massive part of who you were and, and how you identified as a human. Yes. <laughs> you know, that's martial arts was a big part of your life. So how, how, do, how have you, been able to deal with that or have you just replaced it with the next thing how do you <laughs> I could be accused of that <laughs> I could be accused of that um I I think that would have been true up until probably the last year or so so I went from triathlon to eventually um just focusing on trial running um the reason for that was uh, this whole stress thing um I'd had a few crashes on the bike that were pretty bad, like scary sort of things. And um, yeah, I sort of thought maybe my health is not interplaying too well with the bike riding. And, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe I'm just trying to do too much because the triathlon does require, like it's it's reasonably stressful. Like you do have to be Mm -hmm. so organized and trying to balance all that stuff. Um, So trail running was more of an out, I guess, in a way. I, I thought, I could do okay at this but really the point is I love it like it's just so me and it's so fun (laughs) so I I guess in a way I was like well I've I've achieved a lot of things I wanted in triathlon in fact probably more than I ever imagined so let's change over to the trail running throw everything into that um just have a ball I had no expectations I'd be running ultras or anything like that um for me I started in like the manly trail series doing like the 7k and thought that was like epic so (laughs) it was so cool um yeah so I I think for me the transition from triathlon and seeing myself as a triathlete Mm -hmm. to then seeing myself as okay well now I'm some form of runner or I do running um was that wasn't like yes that was a bit of replacing one thing for another but at the same time it felt like quite a healthy decision so I wouldn't say it was like a clinging on to something whereas um certainly when I exited the martial arts it really was I needed something like yeah Yeah. you know I needed that community and identity Uh yeah 100 percent yeah so with um with your trail running that you now passionate about yes yes (laughs) Um, (laughs) the latest thing (laughs) What does the community for you look like there? Like, are you, yeah. you've got a tight community in the trail running around you? And 
races that you go to and train people you train with? How does that look? Mm. What does your week look like? Um, well, things have changed a fair bit because <laughs> um, for the first few years, um, I was so uh, I started being coached by Brendan Davies from Up Coaching, and um, you know I've loved the community there. Um, Brendan and I have some similarities about just that fun and adventure, and just yeah. like getting a map and finding somewhere cool to go or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I liked that there was that kind of vibe around his group. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really quite immersed in that for, for quite a while. Um, but I guess a, a few things happened. So um, I was running, I worked up to ultra distances. So mm-hmm. I was doing, I think I did about eight sort of 50K races. I was doing really well. So I was awesome. um, getting podiums in my age group, like for sort of shorter stuff through to longer stuff, uh, traveling like around the world and around Australia and, and just like having a ball. <laughs> um, but I was also like less of a training person. I really didn't like, I hated track. I didn't really ever want to go. Um, I just wanted to go on adventures and that's all I wanted to do every day. (laughs) So, so I think I was always a bit of a free spirit in that way. And having had such a long sporting history, um, Brennan was more like a mentor to me rather Mm -hmm. than coaching, which was really a great dynamic because I needed someone I could bounce stuff off. Um, But at the same time, I, I, he, trusted that I knew what I was doing in terms of managing Mm -hmm. my own body which was great so in some ways I was kind of like part of this community but also doing my own thing over here yeah um and there was um a big race the well big race for me the human hovel um ultra and Mm -hmm. I think that was 2019 um where I actually came third overall female which is like my best result But, that's awesome <laughs> it was amazing it so was how, so good tell everyone how far that is it was a 50k it was a 50k ultra yeah um and what was the terrain like sorry yeah well yeah no <laughs> that was a nice segue actually <laughs> um the the end of the race has a bit of a nasty camber on it um mm. so you're kind of running on a single trail it's quite tilted um and I knew I had some bulging discs in my lower back but mm-hmm. I think what happened was that at that point I tore one of those discs coming down that hill because I just had this intense pain sort of wrapping around my pelvis and running down my leg and I felt like I couldn't put weight on my right leg so I'm like three k's from the finish and I know I've just run myself into third place (laughs) and I'm thinking I'm not a good downhill runner and this girl's gonna come from behind she's gonna take take over no I'm gonna lose it anyway so um I wanted to pull out because I literally, it was excruciating pain. <laughs> but I had to finish it. Vanessa? <laughs> Much. <laughs> Much. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I pushed through to the finish only to then be told that, yeah, I'd got third. Um, and the, the beautiful lady behind me who things had gone really badly for and that last mm-hmm. few Ks was actually 20 minutes behind. So oh, wow. you probably could have eased probably. up. <laughs> Stuff. no one tells you those things no. <laughs> so um yeah about a probably a month after that um I was going to do the Queenstown marathon and I had mm-hmm. planned a trip with um my best girlfriends from the up, up coaching community like my yeah. my family yeah. and my partner Jason um so we went over there and at 24 k's into it I couldn't run anymore Oh no. Yeah. At that point I didn't know that I'd torn um the disc and that the yeah, that there was a fair bit of damage there. So I just knew I was in really 
dreadful mm-hmm. pain. Um, and I just walked because I was like, I'm not going to drop out of this because the scenery is just that damn good. It's beautiful <laughs> and I'm, here. Mm-hmm. And I'm all about adventure and exploring, so I'm here now. <laughs> so so yeah. when, when you were walking, did it really hurt then as well? Like yeah, so bad. Bust. You're yeah. crazy. <laughs> well, you know, I, I remember when I first started with Brendan, he goes, oh, if you're going to take up trail running, you'll need to learn pain tolerance. And I thought, dude, uh-huh. you don't know me. <laughs> You don't go, you don't, yeah, I'm like, I've got that one now. It's okay. <laughs> it's like, you know, all these years of martial arts being punched in the head repeatedly getting up against. Wow. I, I wouldn't sound very sensible, but I do have a high pain tolerance. <laughs> it does sound like you do. So obviously you crossed yeah. the line, you got the medal and then yeah. you got the diagnosis maybe when you came home, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, probably a couple of months after that. So this is like, it's a little bit before COVID hit. Um yeah. I should also just backtrack a little bit too, because in that same year, 2019, the Christmas before that, um, Brendan had helped me map out this amazing adventure, which was um, the 100 Beach Challenge, um, where I'd, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, I'd followed the coastline between the Shoalhaven in New South Wales um, yeah. down to North Doris, and there's um, a thing you can do down there. They have an app on your phone where you can check into 100 different beaches as you follow this coastline. Wow, and that's cool. Yeah, and I they love that are. Kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, and they're spectacular beaches. Like wow. it's just heaven. Um, and I thought to myself, I wonder if anyone's ever run it because normally people drive into each beach or maybe mm-hmm. walk between a couple of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, cause I like setting my own adventures cause I'm yeah. like, it doesn't have to be about races. It can just be about fun, like explore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so he had helped me to map that out. I was 254 kilometers and I wasn't, I had no idea if I could do that. <laughs> that wasn't the point. <laughs> the point was just to check into hundred beaches and have a good time, take lots of photos. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, and lots of people from the up coaching community came and I was able to speak on radio about polycystic kidney disease and everything. And I completed the adventure um, and became the first person to ever do it and obviously set a, set a fastest known time as a result because no one had done it before. So, <laughs> so that was, that you did the, what did you say it was 250K? Yeah, it's 254 kilometres. Um, it took me, I think it was about nine days because my longest day was 40-odd, 40 42, okay, 43K. So you did yeah. rest in between. That's good. Oh, yeah, and it's rugged. It's uh, Most of it's sand. <laughs> so, yeah. That's fun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's on the beach, but yeah, that oh, look, um, not so much fun. To be honest, it was the most incredible experience. And I'm so glad that I got to do that before the back issue hit. Um, And that was like a good year before Mm. because um, there will will never be anything. Like I did the Amalfi Positano race in Italy, which was absolutely incredible as well. Mm. Oh, my gosh, amazing. But um, whilst that almost killed me because it was so hard and so what I wasn't used to, the 100 Beach Challenge was – me moving within my limits a lot of time on my own on deserted beaches and being joined by friends but also having that absolute peace and serenity yeah um in one of the most beautiful places in the world (laughs) oh you make me want to do it stop it (laughs) i highly recommend it (laughs) you can pick my maps up online and go follow it (laughs) that sounds so cool yeah it. it was uh it was just incredible and you know just to be be a female who just goes, I'm going to take this chance 
in a kind of my own backyard to mm -hmm. go and be an explorer and try mm -hmm. and do something that I don't know if I can do. And like, I'm going to take the right sort of safety precautions, mm -hmm. make sure I'm checking with yeah. people and stuff, but you know, screw it, do it. <laughs> well, you should have that on a t-shirt. <laughs> screw it, do it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And we were talking about confidence before. Yeah. Imagine, you know, what that does to you, everyone who's listening. If you set a yeah. goal like that, that you know is just outside, it could actually be just running 5K if you've never run. Oh, before. yeah. Yeah. But it just does amazing things to your confidence if it's not something you ever thought that you'd be able to do. That's right. And then yeah. you work out, you know, it's just one step in front of the other. That's one of the things I love about running. It, it can be simplified it to that. Yeah. Yeah, literally just one step. So yeah. you've uh, you've done all these amazing things, and then mm. you've, this back thing has happened. Yeah, yeah. How did that affect your running? Um, well, the whole year of COVID, I know it was super hard for everyone. So I'm de definitely not alone. But because of the kidney disease and being immune compromised, it meant that I was really cut off from the like the community, you know, yeah. because there was a lot more sort of sheltering at home and stuff. Mm -hmm. And th and that was hard. Like that was really emotionally difficult. Plus the back thing like a lot of people were saying I can't do my race this year and I can't do that and I had doctors saying to me we don't know how you've been doing all these things that you've been doing but you need to look at behavior modification <laughs> and I was, and I was like well I was like look I'm I'm not running 50 now I'm walk running 7k which is about the most I can do to me that's behavior modification um and I think doctors that don't understand runners they kind of see us as well you're addicted you're just addicted yeah. which is to some degree true because you do mm -hmm. get the endorphins and everything you do but I'm not crazy and I'm not an idiot <laughs> so, it's like you know I can I can go on antidepressants because I'm not running and I don't have that balance in my life I can sit at home like a blob or I can move even if it's just walking or doing mm -hmm. a bit of a walk run or whatever um and, and so that was kind of my argument back to them was, no, this is what I'm going to own. Um, mm -hmm. I know my body. I know what I can and can't do. And this is important to me. Um, so Jason bought us um, an iFit treadmill so I could go and explore the world while stuck on a treadmill. Oh, so cool. <laughs> yeah, which is really lovely. <laughs> um, and that kind of got me through COVID just slowly like building the running back up mm -hmm. and kind of getting out of a bit of like an emotional agoraphobia around mixing again with people and going back to the community and I wouldn't say I'm, I'm as immersed in the community anymore because I'm not racing at the moment. Um, yeah. And I'm only like my longest run in the last few months has been 30K, which I was yeah. stoked about. Um, yeah, there are know. people going, what? 30, what? 30K? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. It's, this is, we forget we're like the 1%, right? Like, yeah. you know, I, I mourn over losing my ability Um because I'm not sure what I'll get back. And every day when I wake up, it's like, what, how's it going to be today? I don't know. So today what's the diagnosis like? Is it, is it that yeah. you should be able to get back to where you were before? Or no. is it just a matter of your body knitting, knitting itself back in a certain way and you have to be put up with whatever the result? Yeah, the diagnosis is um, degenerative um, dis, like condition, disease, whatever it is. So, so I'm being told... Well, no, it's not going to get better. In fact, mm -hmm. you, you're just going to, going to continue to degenerate. Um, however, I also, 
like I've been doing a lot of reading around pain and the mind body connection and this sort of thing. And I'm quite aware that the more stressed I am, the more stuff I have going on um, in the rest of my life, Mm -hmm. the worse the pain is around like particularly my lower back. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I'm clearly storing my tension there. And when I sit for too long, it becomes more painful. But when I walk, run, move, I actually get reduced pain until I go too far. And then I know the back's coming back in. Like I'm like, this is not tension or stress. This is now actual physical damage. Um, So I'm kind of, you know, moderating myself according to that. Um, I guess what I'm saying is that I think I have two battles here. Mm -hmm. One is to control the fact that I'm probably mentally like protecting that area and I'm storing the tension around that area. But at the same time, I do actually have some structural issues there, mm-hmm. so which are not likely to really get better. Um, I think I have seen some progress. I'm not sure that the tear is still there. I, I, it feels like it's a lot better. Like I'm not getting yeah. that numbness down my leg and the pain and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it's just part of it. It's a journey, you know, mm-hmm. and, and last year was so shit for everyone. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, this is only a year and a bit since human hovel and these things happened. So I'm not going to say never and I'm not going to say die. At this mm. point, I'm like, I'm enjoying my running. I'm loving it. Uh-huh. I have my little breakdowns when UTA and things like that are on and I'm like, why can't I do that? <laughs> you know? But, you know, I, yeah, each day it's just wake up and see what we've got. What are we dealing with today? Mm. And then take it on and try and stay optimistic and kind of, you know, deal with the mental health stuff that comes up. And that's the best I can do. So, so, so I guess one of the questions I ask most people is that mm. can, how do you keep going at the door? So, and I'm yeah. asking those to people who are, you know, that at the moment, they don't necessarily have any physical problems. I'm talking about yeah. when the weather is crap, you know? Oh yeah. So there's obviously, <laughs> there is obviously something that's going on the conversations you're having with yourself, the thoughts, oh, about, yeah. which get you out the door like pretty mm. regularly. And if you don't, you obviously know that you are not going to feel great, whether it's physically uh, and or emotionally. So are that, as, right. is that the kind of stuff that you're thinking when you're like, oh, I don't really want to get out today? That's it's every like- day. Well, it's way worse in winter um, mm-hmm. because um, I have problems with my circulation. So mm-hmm. my fingers and toes are often like they go really numb and, and painful and stuff, um, even when it's like nine degrees, which would be ridiculous. Oh. <laughs> Is that so, related to the kidney or the back? Yeah, yeah. Um, Raynard's, I think they call it Raynard's um, syndrome. Yep, that I a lot of people. Oh yeah, right. I I of, so, so many people do, right? Yeah. yeah, especially runners. I don't. I've noticed a lot. Yeah, what's with that? So, um, yeah. Look, apparently the incidences are, are quite high with people with PKD, but I'm not sure mm. what the connection mm. is there. Um, so in winter, it's really hard for me to get out the door. So if it's a particularly cold morning, um, I, I unfortunately get on the treadmill. And if I couldn't do these uh, virtual runs in like Vietnam and stuff like that, I don't know how I'd do that. But um, if I don't get out the door and do some form of activity every mm-hmm. day, my pain is worse. Yeah. Um, certainly my mental and emotional health is worse. And mm. I just don't feel good. Like I just, yeah. I need to move. Um, so what I've started to do is, A, I plan, I definitely plan adventures mm-hmm. um, where I can. Where work doesn't allow for that, I go, is there something we need to get from the shops or something? So I can use the errand as yeah. the exercise. So it's like, I will run to pick that thing up with my little running pack, which I then put the groceries in and then I run back home again. Awesome. And you don't go to the closest shop. You go to the one a little bit yes. further away. Yes. I, well, the one that has a more scenic route to get there. <laughs> 
you know, or if, you know, there's something I need to do. If I need to go to a meeting, um, mm -hmm. I try and do walking meetings as often as possible. Um, I also do walking, walking mentoring with clients. So I'm mentoring them and we both go for a walk. Um, we even do that over Zoom, which is awesome. Um, awesome. And, you know, the other thing that I sometimes do on those really hard days too, mm -hmm. is rather than saying I'm going out for a run and I'll walk if I have to, which mm -hmm. was what I was saying to myself for a long time. Now, if it's really hard, I say, I'm going for a walk. Mm -hmm. And if I happen to feel like running during it, I will. Okay. And the, the way that works is that if you go out for a run and then you walk, like even if you're a trail runner, it's used to walking a fair bit, you mm -hmm. kind of feel a bit crappy about yourself. Like you feel yeah. like, oh, God, I had to walk. I had to walk. <laughs> But if you say I'm going for a walk and you happen to run, you're a champion. It's like, go you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I went for a walk. And then I felt really good. So then I ran. And it's like, whoa, I'm awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, um, I interviewed um, Amy Lamprett, who's a, a Tasmanian running champion. Yes. Um, yeah, I loved that it. one. I listened so, to it. It's so I good. Had someone say to her the, say the other day after listening to that one, oh, I can't believe that Amy actually walks sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, yep. <laughs> That's a trail runner's secret. Because <laughs> she even said there's no rule that says you can't yeah. walk. And yeah. yet I can clearly remember for, you know, if I was running through a city when there was a traffic lights, so I was like, Oh no, and I'd have to jog on the spot. <laughs> I can't because you know yeah. when you're earlier on, it's all this yes. conversation in your head, which is ridiculous for those of you who haven't yes. started running. You can run and walk to start with. You don't have to keep running and running. Oh, look, I think you can run and walk forever. And you know, I used to explain this to my parents that the reason I love trail running is because you're allowed to walk, you're allowed to hike, you're allowed to walk. Like you can be the leaders in the bloody race and you're walking. I mean, if they can do it, then anyone could do it. It's okay. Like what, mm. you know, that's a sport that just, I don't know, it's okay. It is so okay. it's, you know, I love that that sort of inclusivity of the sport that, mm. you know, it's just like whatever you can do to get from A to B, as you said, one step at a time, it's fine. And I think, I think we overcomplicate running. Like, you know, we, we think about, I have to do these sets and I have to do this and that and all that sort of stuff. But what I find, you know, gives people longevity is the love of it, the fun. So, so finding that in your, in your running perhaps is a, yeah. a really good tip, isn't it? Like to, yeah. like you said, that, that used to be part of my, and even now, if I'm mm. really not feeling like going for a run, one of the things I'll do is go, oh, where's one of my favorite runs or somewhere I haven't run? Yes. And that exploring yes. sort of um, mode is one of the things that will get me out the door. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I always say to friends, they go, how do you find these places? I'm like, I open Google Maps and I change it to the satellite view and you look for the green bits. Yeah. And, and that's it. <laughs> look actually, for the green bits, connect them up. Yeah. I think there's apps as well. There I, is. A friend um, of mine had one. It's like a trail app. All trails. Yeah, yeah probably. All, yeah, all trails yeah. is good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, sometimes when you open it, you won't find, like depending where you live, because, um, yeah. I mean, urban Sydney, you don't find necessarily a lot. A lot of it's like concrete paths. Yeah. So sometimes using that, but also, yeah, just opening up a satellite view, look for the green bits. And then um, if you jump onto Strava, rather than using Strava always to record, if you hit the maps on Strava, 
and you kind of look at the two next to each other, you can actually see where there's trails and like green areas that are runnable um, by kind of putting the two together. Yeah, I could probably explain it more. We probably don't have time for that. But... That's very clever. I've never thought yeah, about doing something. It's a like bit of a that. hack. Yeah. yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, but All I mean, right. that's what gets me out the door every day is um, fun, play, adventure, still like running with the girls maybe once or twice a week, um, listening to lots of podcasts and music and yeah. all, and like, you know, audio books, taking photos, yeah. just having a bloody good time. Just, in, just enjoy it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if, if uh, a new runner, somebody who yeah. was thinking about running came up to you and said, hey, Vanessa, what's mm. your best tip to keep me running or get me started? What yeah. would you say to them? don't rush please don't rush um you know I see so many people go okay well I'm going to work to 5k and then I'm going to go for a half marathon and a marathon and often these time frames are compressed like people are trying to do these things within you know six months or a year and you know I'm going to do my 50 I'm going to do 100 it's like you've only been running for a year or two and I just see it's such a fast track to repeated injury mm. And if you make running your lifestyle and if it's full of joy and it adds richness to your life, the last thing you want is to be out injured for any period of time. Mm -hmm. So I would say, look, you know, having lived a life of sport, um, enjoy the journey. I know that sounds cliched, but honestly, like that's the stuff you're going to remember you know, when you look back on all the great times you had. Um, it doesn't matter if you're a front of pack or a back of pack person, you know, just take it easy have fun um life is stressful enough without making running really stressful too so just chill out <laughs> that's what i'd say to them just take it easy chill just it out chill. yeah i love that that's yeah. great is there anything about running do you think we you know that from your story that you want to share that maybe we haven't touched on um yeah i i think it's just remembering that as human beings, we were created to move. Like it's just, mm. it's in our nature and it's not in our nature to run like we're being chased by lions every day. Um, I mean, if you even think about that from a logical point of view, <laughs> you kind of go, well, of course that would break my body down and yeah. create not fun because <laughs> that would not be fun. That's running <laughs> so, with fear. <laughs> that's running with fear. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, high cortisol and high stress and all this sort of stuff. Um, you know, but we were made to be, you know, they talk about, um, humans outrunning, you know, game that they wanted to run down and stuff. Mm. I'm plant-based, so I should talk about this. But anyway, <laughs> like trying to run, <laughs> trying to run jacket. But but what that shows is that we're very good at going like a long distance, but you know, at that easier pace. Mm. So why not play to our strengths? You know, why beat ourselves into you know smith smithereens, like break mm. ourselves down when it can be a natural and joyful experience. Nobody no matter your body size, just as long as you work within your ability and slowly build it up. Cause like mm -hmm. the body will come with you on the journey. If the yeah. mind can get out the door each day and set a goal, it could be just a fun goal, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. The body will get there. If my body can, then anyone yeah. can. <laughs> That's a very good going. point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have absolute confidence in that. And it doesn't matter, like if you're carrying conditions or whatever, and you can go 1K or 5K down the road, yeah. then that's the same as someone who's super fit running an ultra. Yeah. Like your, your pain and, and the difficulty of that, mm -hmm. I mean, that can, be, that can be a gold medal journey in itself. So, And I would probably say physically and mentally, the mm. benefits you would get from that. Absolutely. 
are also, you know, medically they're starting yeah. to prove that that can be, uh, have amazing benefits, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just by My- physically getting out and moving and the things that it'll do to your your body and improve it if, it, if there are problems. Absolutely. Like um, my nephrologist, so my kidney specialist says to me, you're the healthiest sick person I know. <laughs> so okay, it's, it's, you can make, you can make so many, uh, like you can create your own benefits, whether it's like in blood work or just how you feel or how you think or yeah. whatever um, through pursuing this. And, you know, if you can get a supportive medical team, that's even better. Um, you know, a supportive family, supportive community mm. and all these sorts of things. But yeah, yeah definitely the benefits so outweigh you know any perceived negatives that yeah. might be there they're just as long as you work within your limits um you can only gain from the experience yeah i totally yeah. agree that's <laughs> <laughs> what this podcast is all about trying to encourage people to get uh physical and particularly yeah. for us it's running because i yeah. think that's one of the most easy activities for people to yeah. take on um before they yeah, maybe venture off into other things like triathlon. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, maybe for us, it's mindful and kind to ourselves running. That might be nice too. So. I think that would be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Vanessa, I would like to say thank you so much. It's been wonderful to get to know you this way. Oh, likewise. Um, I feel like we're firm friends already. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Definitely. <laughs> I love having uh, being able to connect with people who are into the same stuff as me. Yeah. And I think it also goes to show for everyone listening, if you haven't started running, which mm. is what we're advocate, advocating here, but yeah. um, that the, the running community is, um, they're a very open and a very welcoming yep. kind of community as well. So um, yeah, if you, if you want to start running, get out there, yes. find a group and, and I'm sure you'd be welcome. But yeah. In the meantime, I will say thank you to Vanessa. Stay on because I'll have a, a quick chat we'll before I get yeah. on. Um, but, yeah, I really do appreciate your time. Um, oh, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> pleasure. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast. For a bunch of resources to help you get and stay fit, head over to the website, fitmindfitbody.co, and I'll see you there. I'll also be back here once a week. Bye.